Uh, hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Tim Cacciatore, who is an Alexander Technique teacher who lives in London, England. Uh, prior to that, or in addition to that, he is, has a PhD in neuroscience from the University of California, and he also um, has a postdoctoral fellowship with, uh, had a postdoctoral fellowship with the Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, and now he has moved to London and um, is a senior research associate at University College London Institute of Neurology. Uh, Tim has written uh, two papers that have been published in uh, academic journals uh, concerning uh, postural tone and um, some of the implications of that uh, in terms of how people who have studied the Alexander technique uh, have a different quality of postural tone and are able to perform a simple movement in this case getting in and out of getting out of a chair um, and we're going to talk to Tim today about those studies and about the the implications of them uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, Tim, could you begin by giving our listeners a very short description of the Alexander Technique? Sure. Um, I, would, I would describe it as uh, it's a way to regulate patterns of mus muscular tension um, that allows you to achieve an elongated relationship in the head, neck, and, and back. It has numerous benefits, uh, benefits in how you move, in how you breathe, in your quality of attention, and for your health. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's worth noting that there have been a number of uh, scientific, medical and scientific studies about the effectiveness of the technique in various areas, breathing, uh, Parkinson's disease, uh, aging, and perhaps most dramatically back pain, a fairly recent, a large-scale study conducted in the UK by, sponsored by the uh, National Health Service there, uh, about the, that pretty, pretty conclusively showed that Al the Alexander Technique was an extremely effective way to uh, alleviate back pain. And now your work, uh, it seems to me, and, and you, I'd like you to elaborate on this uh, a bit, tends to be more about the mechanisms that might underlie those effects that have been noted in other studies. Would that be a, a fair assumption? I would say that's, that's definitely part of it, it but it's also um, broader than just the effects of um, you know that, that are observed in other studies. So, you know, when when you have a series of Alexander lessons, you know there are also a number of observations that that, that you observe that, that things that happen, um, and uh, it's also trying to understand what those are scientifically. Mm -hmm. So could you uh, summarize the the two studies that have been published, and we're, we'll put links to. Uh, uh, a way to find those by the interview, and I, I believe you're working on a, 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 a three more, which 
I guess you can't really talk about too much right now. But the two that you have have done, um, one of them is called Increased Dynamic Regulation of Postural Tone through Alexander Technique Training and the other Prolonged Weight Shift and Altered Spinal Coordination during sit-to-stand in practitioners of the Alexander Technique. So they sound pretty technical. I wonder if you could distill the essence of those for our listeners. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I guess let me just start out by, by saying from, from a broad brushstroke that um, there's basically three elements to motor behavior. And um, in a way, these, these studies uh, deal with all, all three. Um, the, the, the three elements are, are movement. So when you generate a movement, you accelerate your body from point A to point B. Um, I think we all understand that. Uh, the second is balance, the task of, of balancing, which is keeping your center of mass of the body above the base of support, which is typically your, your feet. Uh, or if you know you're on all fours, it has you, the, your mass has to be above your arms and and your legs. Um, and the third uh, uh, third uh, uh, aspect of motor behavior is posture, postural tone, which is really about anti-gravity support and uh, uh, counteracting gravitational forces and. And um, this, in a way, is what the first study uh, deals with. Now, oddly enough, you'd think that, that you know, uh, supporting yourself against gravity, that would be very well understood uh, uh, scientifically. But it turns out it's, it's, it's not, uh, uh, and there are technical reasons for that. Uh, um, it's, it's generally hard to measure this activity, and so it's hard to study. Um, when I started my, my postdoc in, in Portland, I had the uh, fortune of uh, working with a man named Victor Gerfinkel, who, who had spent a long time thinking about how you measure this anti-gravity support, uh, um, basically the tension, the, the patterns of, of tension or, or muscle tone that, that hold us up against, against gravity. And... Um, he sort of devised a, a, a way to do this, and, and the device is called called Twister. And um, essentially, the way it works is, uh, is it's fairly simple. It basically rotates, you know, one part of the body relative uh, to another. So imagine for those who have had Alexander lessons, often a, a teacher might put their hands on your head and rotate it very gently from side to side. And the more resistance that the teacher feels, the, it has to do with the more activity uh, um, going on within the neck to support the head. And um, but let me just add that there needs to be that anti-gravity support because without any sort of mus muscle activity counteracting those uh, gravitational forces, the, the skeleton uh, collapses. And, and we have, we've all had evidence of this. If you're, um, you're sitting on a train or something and you, you're tired, you fall asleep, um, your head will drop forward mm -hmm. because without that support, uh, um, uh, the, the structure uh, collapses, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So, I mean, a typical Alexander technique uh, take on that is you need to, your neck muscles need to do something, but uh, it's not good if they're doing too much or if they're, if they're stiff, let's say. Yes, yes. Right. Uh, uh, that would definitely be the sort of uh, uh, Alexander uh, perspective. Um, so with, with this device, before we uh, get uh, uh, into the, the study and the technique, just, just briefly, um, the, the, the one thing that's, that's special about it is it, it, it twists you know, one, one part of the body relative to another without providing postural support. So you can't lean on the device. Otherwise, you could relax into it, if that makes Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but but before we um, put Alexander teachers in it, uh, uh, we looked at just normal subjects, and and what we found is that people have a huge range of how stiff they are. Um, you know, several fold, three to four times. A stiff person is three to four times more stiff than someone who's not. That's a phenomenal uh, uh, difference. If you think of the difference in height, imagine if a short person was, or a tall person was three or four times taller than a short person. You know, there'd be a much greater variation in, in height. So, mm-hmm. so there's a huge difference in stiffness. Right, right. And then, and, and then when you studied Alexander teachers or Alexander students... Uh, yeah. The range narrowed quite a bit, as I as I recall. Uh, well, it went it went down. So so with with uh, um, with with teachers, they they uh, have on average about half the stiffness within you know the neck, the trunk, and the hips, the kind of the the, the, the central part of the body. Then then your average average person. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And and difference. and would the, would the implication of that be that since they are managing to stand up um, with less muscle tension, that that's probably a sign of more optimal use of themselves? I wish it was that easy, uh, um, but it's it's not. It, it, it's not. It's not clear. It it, it may be uh, that way, but. There are, um, with muscle tension, right, there, there, there are two reasons why someone could be not very stiff. One is they could have not a whole lot of postural support going on, mm-hmm. you know, less muscle tension overall. But the other, for, for technical reasons, our, 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 our um, twisting is, is very slow, and so that the nervous system has a chance to adapt and change this uh, muscle activity. Uh, uh, and if it changes, that uh, uh, affects the stiffness. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, um, if, you, uh, uh, if muscles that were stretched with the twisting, they reduce their activity and let go, uh, um, so they were allowing the, the, the twisting to take place, Rather than resisting it, um, this would uh, um, this would basically cause a low stiffness, and it's it's just difficult to differentiate what uh, uh, what actually happened. Whether whether it's more dynamic uh, 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 low stiffness is due to changing muscle activity or due to uh, just less postural support. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, so um, where does that that study then, looking at it by itself, where does that leave you in terms of the implications uh, of, about the usefulness of Alexander uh, teaching? That you can see a definite effect, but it sounds like you're not a hundred percent sure whether that effect is a useful one or not. Would that be a fair summary, or is that overstating it in the other direction? Oh, I think that's. I think it's overstating that in the in the other direction. Okay. No, I, I think I think uh, um, I think it's the implications of it are not completely clear. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, for, first of all, there is one more piece of information with with this study is that we we through a variety of reasons we a variety of, of methods we uh, um, were able to conclude that um, the, the decrease in stiffness, at least in Alexander teachers, is due to more adaptable activity. This, this, this kind of, uh, uh, yeah, a more flexible, uh, uh, responsive uh, muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, um, and that's interesting in and of itself because um, you know muscle tone is it's a fundamental uh, uh, aspect of, of human motor activity it's there all the time and and if you're changing this fundamental thing that's gonna you know that could easily have implication in loads of aspects of, of behavior uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and so so you know it, it's it's clear that it's changing something fundamental in an interesting way mm-hmm we don't understand all the implications of that, or exactly even even how what 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 brain processes are responsible for mm-hmm. that change. And I believe that um, the the effects, let's say, the, taking the control group versus uh, Alexander people who are Alexander teachers. And these are people mm-hmm. who've gone through a pretty intensive training course and have devoted a lot of time and energy to studying the work was more pronounced than, say, the control group versus students, some students who'd had a number of lessons in the technique. But they, too, as I understand it, showed a change in the same direction. That's right. Yes, that's, that's right. So so if you remember that the, the, the decrease, the difference between teachers and, and control, so after the three-year training, was uh, a fifty percent difference, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the difference between students after a course of twenty lessons uh, was uh, a, a twenty-nine, thirty percent, roughly a thirty percent decrease. Mm. Um, but quite sig- that's still quite significant. Uh, it's substantial, yeah. yeah. It's substantial. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. uh, then, your the second study. Yeah. that you did it seems to me what you've done is taken you said you said well let's look at a specific activity that people do over the uh, as they go through life which is standing up from sitting a sitting position and yeah. anal, uh, analyzed the difference between how a control group does that and how uh people who've been trained in the Alexander technique do that and could you could you summarize what you found in that study 
Um, I mean, for, first of all, the, the 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 standing up movement. We we chose that sort of for reasons that are obvious to, to people who've had a lot of Alexander, in that it's it's a um, it's a common procedure mm-hmm. that, that's used in in, in Alexander, and and there's you know there are um, it's used as a, an evaluation and, and, and a teaching tool, and um, uh, uh, it seems a good way to try to get a handle on what sort of changes were were happening mm-hmm. uh, within movement. And basically, what we said we looked at some some very basic things. Uh, uh, we looked at um, you know the, the the phasing. So so there's three parts to to standing up. There's there's uh, moving your mass forward, so leaning forward. Uh, uh, and then they're shifting your weight onto your feet, and that serves to basically counteract gravity when you lift up, and then they're elevating, the, elevating the body. And we we looked at the the durations of those. We also looked at, at how um, how smooth the transition was onto the feet, mm-hmm. and we also looked at um, the the coordination within within the back uh, during this activity. And what what we found was that um, that that uh, Alexander teachers coordinate the movement in a very very different different way. Uh, there's been hundreds, uh, 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 at least over a hundred uh, uh, of studies on the sit to stand movement, and, and basically the way that people typically uh, coordinate this activity is they, they do it in in, in two um, actions. They they uh, bring their body forward. Uh, um, and then they rapidly shift uh, uh, their weight onto their feet and, and raise the body up. So there's, there's kind of a coming forward. That's the first phase, and then they then they abruptly uh, uh, shift their weight and, and elevate the body. Mm-hmm. And um, we found that that teachers basically perform coordinate these together. Uh, uh, so the second they start leaning forward, they start uh, shifting weight onto the feet. So that the weight actually shifts over a much longer percentage of, of time. It's a much smoother, smoother action. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably, I would think, a more efficient action, just looking at it from an efficiency point of view? Most likely, yeah. It, it most, most likely is. Um, the, um, uh, uh, typically, um, in, in, in controls, for instance, you, you see... Uh, before they uh, uh, weight the feet, they actually take weight off the feet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they do that to, to accelerate. It, it accelerates the, the trunk forward, it gives you more more momentum, and and so you're generating more momentum, and then you have to break that momentum uh, uh, to stop you going forward and, and and move upward. And so so yes, it probably it probably is a more efficient action. We don't know that you actually have to measure energy and things like watts or oxygen consumption or whatever for sure mm-hmm. but there are um there's a lot of indications that suggest that that would be the, the case yeah. and and it's interesting because uh i'm sure you're familiar with the studies done by uh frank pierce jones back in mm, the yeah. oh, who knows 60s maybe uh he was a um professor at tufts university who also an Alexander Technique teacher who used strobe photography to observe the patterns that the pattern of movement of students as they stood up from a chair or sat down in a chair. Now I think his work 
involved a teacher actually guiding the student as they were doing it but the general the general uh take on it is that the the movement was smoother I think that's I think that's a, a fair summary of it, and and it sounds like you've you've kind of looked at it from the point of view of actually measuring forces and so on, which he did not do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what 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 Jones Jones found? I think I think his studies are are amazing, actually, given given his background and and given the time uh, um, and and the tools that he. Had. I mean, it's, it's a completely different world nowadays. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing these sorts of studies, uh, uh, and and I, I have you know all the time in the world for, for his, his research. But but what what basically the if you boil it it, it down, the, the the things that he he found were that um, uh, that there there was this um, change in in the, the head neck uh, uh, angle in. In um, you know, untrained subjects and without guidance, that that, uh, uh, that tended to change with, with guidance. There was also uh, 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 lower velocity and lower accelerations that were used to uh, achieve the movement in, in the same the same time. Mm-hmm. And and those are kind of interesting because they're, it's a bit paradoxical. How do you have lower accelerations and achieve the movement in the same time? It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think what 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 that that study uh, um, lacked, and, and again, it was no fault of, of Jones. It just I don't think it was possible at that time. It was the first the first study ever on the fit to stand movement. I, actually, it, it really it was. Um, but but the relevance. So what what is the relevance of the the the, um, the changes in in the head head posture? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, was, was the relevance of, of, of the, um, the lower acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, um, yeah. Well, it, it sounds also, I mean, maybe another way of looking at it would be that we talked about efficiency of movement, and as you said, that would be very tricky to measure directly. You'd have to measure caloric activity, I suppose, yeah. or something like that. But if you think of going from sitting to standing, um, it sounds like the the in your study, and I, I imagine also in Frank Pierce Jones's study, that the people who had Alexander training, or in his case, Alexander help, I guess, um, made that movement in a more direct way. That is, uh, you know, you described the beginning of standing up for the control group was kind of a lessening of pressure on the ground, and then then to get a faster acceleration forward, and then they had to kind of suddenly change gears, and the actual movement of the body from its original location to its new location was is just less clean, less direct. Would that be a way of looking at it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I think I can probably summarize that, that it fairly concisely. The, the reason uh, uh, why the, the teachers had this, you could say, more direct uh, um, movement without these additional, you know, unweighting the seat and, and uh, accelerating the body forward uh, 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 is because they were able to solve uh, uh, two different problems simultaneously. 
they, they were able to come forward uh, uh, with, with their body uh, um, to, to solve the balance problem, to get their mass over their feet. At the same time, they're able to weight their feet. Uh, um, and by being able to uh, uh, um, solve these tasks simultaneously turned out to be fairly difficult, actually. Uh, uh, it, it's hard for an untrained person uh, uh, to generate this, this smooth activity because it, it winds up requiring that um, uh, you have what's called lengthening or eccentric contraction in, in the legs, which means that, that muscles that are generating the activity to uh, shift weight to the feet have to actually be, be lengthening. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that may sound paradoxical, because how does a, how does a muscle uh, lengthen when it's generating force? And, and the answer is actually fairly simple, is that it, it needs to be pulled on uh, both ends. You need to be stretched mm-hmm. by forces or energy from elsewhere in, 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 in the body. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so what we think is that, um, that, that teachers are able to drive these lengthening contractions more easily, either because they're less stiff in their legs, uh, which is consistent with uh, the, the uh, measurements of muscle tone that we talked about earlier, or, uh, uh, and or uh, they're, they're able to uh, conduct uh, uh, the energy uh, uh, from momentum or from gravity from the upper body, uh, uh, largely, uh, to the legs to drive those uh, lengthening contractions. And, and the, the other thing that we found in this study was that the back uh, uh, of Alexander teachers stays fairly straight during this movement. We're in control. There's a lot of, these, uh, uh, lot of spinal movement uh, uh, in various ways, and this has been documented by others before. And it, it turns out that having a... Um, uh, 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 reducing that movement with, within the spine winds up actually transferring mechanical uh, uh, energy uh, uh, through the spine to the legs in a way that would act to stretch the, the hip and the knee muscles uh, 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 so that they continue to lengthen and you keep the body moving forward while you are generating force with those muscles to um, weight the feet. Mm-hmm. Well, it is interesting that just from an Alexander Technique teacher point of view, most teachers could identify with this, that often when they help a student, um, show a student a different way of getting out of the chair, which, as you say, is a pretty standard uh, teaching procedure, the student yeah. will often uh, say something like, oh, that feels so much lighter than I'm used to, or or I, I almost don't know how I got to standing. Yeah, exactly. Because I didn't, and, and you know, uh, a teacher will say, well, you didn't create your usual uh, habitual tensions that, that you previously used to stand up that were not actually all that necessary. You, you moved in a more efficient, uh, albeit unfamiliar way. And and that's certainly, I mean, your your sort of uh, scientific explanation or mechanics explanation fits in with that perfectly. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think it, 
So I, I know that you uh, have uh, uh, three more, I think you mentioned earlier before we began the interview, three more studies uh, in the works, and you can't really talk about them. I would imagine, I don't want to predict what they're going to be, but I would certainly imagine, given that get, standing up from a chair is a kind of an Alexander teaching procedure, that what would be interesting would be to study some other kind of movement that is also an ordinary, everyday one that is not necessarily uh, emphasized all that much in Alexander lessons directly. That would that would certainly be a nice study by someone, possibly you down yes, the road. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I think, I think that is that's definitely a, that's definitely an interesting question because uh, um, you know we're, we're measuring an action that is very well practiced by by Alexander teachers, and so. So it doesn't really address the the uh, uh, the question of how general. Uh, right, but but it's is. it's heading in the direction of looking at how these postural issue, postural tone changes that come out of your first paper might act, might have implications to real world activities. Exactly. I mean that's yeah. the direction of that second paper for sure. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think we're probably pretty much uh, at the end of our our time. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you think would be important to to uh, to say before we come to an end? No, I think I think that pretty much that pretty much covers it in terms of in terms of those two those two studies. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, my my guest today has been Tim Cacciatore, who is an uh, Trained as an Alexander Technique teacher, he's also a Ph.D. in neuroscience and currently a senior research associate at University College in London. We will put links to the two uh, studies that um, have been done so far and also a link to an article in an Alexander journal which gives uh, has a nice picture of that device that you used in Portland and talks a little about the the um, the, the the first study and and um, we're going to look forward to more studies in this same vein uh, uh, down the road Tim thank you so much for being on the show today thank you for having me